Yeah, hit me, hit me with that. That intro riff just kills. I love a good um, chromatic distension. It's like pretty much the same as Led Zeppelin, Dazed and Confused, but, yeah. but really... Really fast. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing that jumps out is like how weird and thin but huge those guitars feel. Yeah. Very Spider 2. <laughs> no, I guarantee this was the Marshall JCM. That's Probably, just like yeah. whatever they play. The bass. Really like very pick sounding yeah. bass. Cliff Burton. Yeah. Dude's on it. Mm. This guitar coming up is like one of my favorite metal guitar things. This little right here. And like pinch harmonics. Oh, dude, they were Woo. so big. Woo. You couldn't pinch harmonic. You weren't worth shit right. back in the day. And this, here's that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that cool? I never caught that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hyper aware of it now um, because of tubular bells from the Exorcist. Yeah. Little breakdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this song's pretty cool. I want to lift some weights now. Right. Join the army in the 90s. <laughs> Master! Dude, it's an eight-minute song? Oh, yeah. There's like a four-minute-long instrumental oh, that's part. that's right. That's right. From... <laughs> it was too long to be pressed on a 45, so it wasn't a single. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Uh, oh yeah welcome to listen to this a podcast in which we explore songs we like we research what they mean how they were recorded why they were written why we like them and why you should listen to this my name is ben williams i'm here with luke campolietta and dialoy for recording studios in atlanta georgia Today we are talking about the Metallica classic, Master of Puppets. It was released on July 2nd, 1986, off the album with the same name, Master of Puppets. The song was recorded at Sweet Silent Studio in Copenhagen. Dope. And it was produced Sick. by... Yeah, exactly. If you're like recording in Copenhagen, like you you can kind of flex a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it was produced by the great producer and even better named Fleming Rasmussen. <laughs> I think like if you have a guy named Fleming Rasmussen producing your metal album, it's sure to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> um, the band did virtually all the sessions for this album in the dark due to Copenhagen's hilariously metal sunlight schedule. Oh, so this was during the dark, like dark time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were like, yeah, we would basically record from like 4 p.m. until 5 a.m. And it's like it would, they were like, oh, it was dark the whole time. And it's like, that's got to really have like a nice effect on making a brutal album. Yeah, like it makes sense. Like listening, like when I picture Metallica, like I would expect nothing less. I think about these dudes waking up in like a prison cell, which I were rich by this time. So oh, they were, yeah. But like, I I still feel like their session where like they woke up in a dank prison cellar, smoked 70 cigarettes each <laughs> <laughs> and then tracked these parts. <laughs> um, 
during the during the sessions for this, the band was apparently really into Simon and Garfunkel. Wow. Which I think is the weirdest thing that I could find about this song. That's cool. But it kind of makes sense because something that I always used to make fun of Metallica for when I was like a kid was that they're like super, um, the the kind of Simon and Garfunkel instrumental sections where it's like the, it became like Jewish folk music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I like it is it makes sense it's like oh they were listening to that shit well, yeah, it like, kept in like now knowing that now it makes all those intros yes, and interludes exactly. and things it makes sense of why they were doing like all the they were kind of like these cheat like I mean in Master Puppets like when we were saying like that whole outro section like it's yeah. kind of like this cheesy yeah like, yeah but I, now I know where it comes from. <laughs> and be, and sort of knowing that influence makes me respect it more. Yeah. I'm not sure. I guess because like if you're like an aggressive thrash metal band, doing stuff like that really is a risk. Yeah. And as we I, and, you know, Metallica took a lot of risks in their career, as we all know, because they have alienated their fan base like constantly since yeah, I've been alive. Like it's like, oh, the black albums too poppy. They cut their hair. Yeah. Losers. Oh, they hate. Napster. Right. They hate digital music. Oh, they came out with a record where they couldn't mix the drums for some reason. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's no bass in this one There's record because no they don't like the bass player. The bass players knew. They're like, yeah. fuck them. We won't even put his instrument in the record. I know. That is egregious. That's that. We're referring to the Metallica album and Justice for All, mm-hmm. which has like some classic songs. Yeah. The bass player on that album is a guy, Jason Mustad, who was new to the band. Their main bass player died in a bus accident. Uh, his name's Cliff Burton. He's the one playing on this Master of Puppets record. And he was kind of like the spiritual force of the band. Yeah. But these petty ass dudes hired a new bass player and then they just muted his bass tracks yeah. on the whole album. Then they kind of like bully him too. Yeah, they bullied That's him the for a long time. Yeah. yeah. The joke's on them. If anybody's seen the movie, Some Kind of Monster. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which I would highly recommend to everybody. It's a cool yeah, every, movie, it's, man. it's a story of Metallica making an album called Saint Anger. But I think it takes like four years to make the album. Yeah. Uh because they go through various problems, rehab. Yep. Um they have they hire a band psychologist or yep. s- who comes in and starts like writing song yeah, lyrics for that's them. Right. It's so oh my <laughs> it gets God. really weird. I know. Um and you know, Lars Ulrich, the drummer, goes through the 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 arduous task of selling some of his Matisse originals. Yeah. It's hard times for that guy. Jeez. <laughs> um according to the producer, Fleming Rasmussen, again, great name, regarding the recording, quote, We had a really kick ass drum room. We had the Trident Mixer, which was not the newest thing, but some of the new desks that came out were not the greatest circuit desks, and ours was transformers and everything, and it just sounded better. So the Trident was the main thing. The and, Trident boards are cool, Yeah, man. yeah. I've recorded uh, on on one a couple times. Because doesn't Rich McCall have one? John Keane. Yeah, uh, he's in got Athens. a Trident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trident's cool. And I love the name. I think like if you're making a metal record, yeah. you might as well have a name. A Trident. Or a fucking Trident. Like yeah. SSL, that means nothing. <laughs> you can't brutalize someone with that. Trident. Well, you could, but... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but a Trident, yeah, you can poke that, poke holes through people. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because then he's they asked Rasmussen, like, what was the main aspect of the sound and he said like the trident that would be the main thing and then quote and then he said of course me right so i'm like yeah <laughs> this guy fucking knows yeah he and, knows <laughs> he fucking pushed the buttons how like, how so like you you've made a lot of metal records how is it different from like recording 
any other sort of project. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially like during this time period, like what was the release date for this one? Um, I think 1986. 86. Yeah, so it's 86. Like, man, making metal back then is hard. Because today, like you're aided by so much technology and yeah, you can metal do a lot music. of punches, a lot of punches, a lot of amp simulators, a lot of drum replacement. Like it's really easy just to like sit at a computer and make a, a metal album these days. Where back then, like they really had to just capture the angst yeah. and the sound in real time. So they were just doing, they were just you cutting just like a million it. takes. Yeah, oh, like to play that precise. <laughs> And it's like, man, it's hard. Like having recorded a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, it's hard to be that precise and do it in like a timely fashion. Especially like an eight minute long song. Because like, you know, there's a couple minutes before even any singing goes on. So it's just like these tight instrumental, really tight rhythmic sounds, grooves. It... You couldn't really fuck up. You, you can't. can't. Really. <laughs> yeah. It's like tapes really expensive. Yeah. Like studio time's expensive. Like they're in Copenhagen. It's yeah. like, man, we got like, it's very death clock of them. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I th- I've thought about that a lot when I was doing some research for the song. Cause I was like, damn it. Everything a metal band does is funny. Yeah. Because of like what the, like how serious and I'm doing air quotes when I say serious, they're like music is, it just makes everything they do really funny. Like recording in Copenhagen without any sunlight, like while they're jamming out to Simon and Garfunkel (laughs) metal guys in metal bands are, they're so interesting because usually they're like really nice people, like really goofy people. But then like when they're recording, it's like they're making these really dark, intense songs, but then like in between takes or anything, it's just like, yeah. Dude doing like fart jokes. Well, there's something to be, there's something to be said about like getting, I think like there's just something to be said about getting your darkness out in kind of a positive way. Exactly. It, I think that there's like a darkness within everyone. And metal's it, a good way yeah. to, to like deal with that yeah, in like a positive way. Uh, again, according to Rasmussen talking about the drum sound, he said, quote, Lars Ulrich was looking for a specific drum sound, that of the Ludwig Black Beauty Snare. Since the only musician he knew who owned one was Def Leppard's Rick Allen, Ulrich called up Allen's manager and said, hey, can I get that snare? The next day it was there. They overnighted it to Copenhagen. That's so dope. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Black Beauty snare, famous. It might be the most famous I think, snare. Drum. I think so too. Like, I remember when I first started working on like music in the computer, I had gotten a lot of cracked illegal samples and one was that black beauty snare by eddie kramer from oh Aerosmith. wow yeah. yeah or joey kramer joey kramer that's yeah. it and the shit sounded incredible it was like on every record i made for like a couple years what Dude, is it about this snare drum i don't know man like it's so versatile like you can you can tune that thing up real tight or you can loosen it real deep it's so nat it's so natural sounding but processed at the same time like when you whack it really hard like the harder you hit it the better it sounds yeah when you like just whack it really hard and you put a mic and there's a microphone there it just like sounds like it's done like that's the sound you don't have to do anything it kind of made me think about this question do you think and i'm i'm sure the answer is a little bit of both but do you think like instruments that become iconic like the black beauty snare right is it because of something inherent within the instrument or is it just that somebody used it on a record both. That was iconic. Both. It's the same thing with like the Gibson Les Paul. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it is undoubtedly an incredible sounding guitar, but it's like, 
Slash played it. Yeah. And Zach Wilde played it. Yeah, all these nice. guys played it. It's like it just adds, and th- there's a reason why they're playing it because it sounds so good. I fucking love Zach Wilde. Oh, he's the best. I'm glad you brought it up. That yeah, bullseye sick. guitar. Yeah, which actually was a mistake. Yeah. Oh, really? The bullseye guitar, the Zach Wilde bullseye guitar was a mistake. It was supposed to be a different design, but when he got it, he was just like, "Ah, oh, fuck it." And was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it was because, supposed to be different. Yeah. Um, this Master of Puppets is routinely referred to as the greatest heavy metal song ever. I don't totally agree because I like the kind of the more British angle of metal, but it's hard to deny that this song really bludgeons you with what aggressive metal is really about. Yeah, I mean, it goes. It, I like the song up until the interlude. Nice, nice. I don't like the interlude, <laughs> man. Like just the just the like uh, the Metallica like sensitive section yeah. and now yeah. the simon and garfunkel thing's messing me yeah up it makes a me bit. wish Sim- it makes me wish that um paul simon and art garfunkel would release like a version of master puppets where they like put words in the instruments places oh, kind of cool. like what kurt elling does yeah, with like yeah, john coltrane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that'd be sick <laughs> there we go i've called producing that album yeah, yeah. You guys, thanks paul <laughs> <laughs> um it's become the band's signature song and has been performed live more than any other metallica song yeah this this song was rite of passage. Yeah. Like learning guitar in middle school. Like if you were the kid that could play Master of Puppets, you was like a real yeah. It like was like oh level. shit. Like like Timmy can play the fuck out of the guitar. Right. Like he knows the Master of Puppets intro. Yeah, it was either that or Crazy Train <laughs> yeah, intro. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the song's iconic status, it was never released as a single because mm-hmm. it was too long. Yeah, um, it's too long. And yet, radio stations still played the fuck out of it. Oh, I'm sure. Which yeah. I think is like a testament to the fact that like. You know, a lot of artists we do on this podcast, they have people who are fans of songs. Mm -hmm. And Metallica's fans do not care about one song more than the others. Yeah. They are obsessed with the band. If you, like, create a culture around your music where supporting you and the art that you make is more more important to your fans than liking a certain song, you haven't made. Oh, yeah. I mean, immediately, like, Lady Gaga, Beyonce. Yeah. It does not matter what they come out with exactly. their fans are going to support them and even though metallica has has really sh- like pissed off its fan base pretty consistently it's yeah. still maintained it it's maintained definitely. yeah which yeah. maybe pissing it off is like important you know what i mean there's gotta be a little bit of fire in a relationship yeah it's metal music <laughs> man you know yeah. um the song is about drugs yes no surprise uh according to lead singer james hetfield master of puppets quote deals pretty much with drugs how things get switched around instead of you controlling what you're taking and doing it's drugs controlling you end quote interestingly enough hetfield says that after the song was released that was when he first realized he was an alcoholic wow so it's kind of one of these things where like making the song probably helped him probably helped expose him to his true feelings yeah which is not like not uncommon from you know any artist but especially you know artists who are a part of like a style of music or art that's all about like machismo right because like metal you know it's about drinking beer and kicking ass and shredding harder and faster than everybody yeah so it's interesting that this kind of exposed writing the song kind of exposed him to some issues that he had yeah well i mean metallica like it's so widely known like they experienced like rock and roll like the spoils of rock and mm-hmm. roll to like the limit yeah like there's stories of them like they'll go play a show in california and then they hop after the show they hop in a helicopter and take the helicopter to the studio to do like mix edits yeah. and it's like man like what <laughs> i know we're gonna jump in this helicopter and go to the studio it's like this is insane it's like hard enough to get a record label to ex- expense your uber 
charged. Yeah, like, nowadays we got we got to pay the helicopter company for Metallica. <laughs> like when Metallica played played the song in China, they played some big ass shows in China. I bet. When they played the song in China, the government told them they weren't allowed to play it. Or when uh, they play when they played shows in China because they didn't want it to be like symbolism. Sy- of- yeah. So they they oblige, you know what I mean? They're businessmen, but yeah, I mean, like China will probably kill them. Yeah, that's like, also why. <laughs> um, but they did play the riff many times throughout the performance, just not delving into the le- the God, vocal performance the vocals, of the song, yeah. which I think is a pretty cool. It's nice, you know. That's a good compromise. Yeah, some some people in the NBA could learn a thing or two from Metallica yeah. about working with China. Yeah. Um, like two final things about the song. Um, the verse time signature is really weird for the music people out there. I never there. noticed it. Yeah. It's like, would, would you consider it a bar of eight and then a bar of seven or just yeah. counting to 15? Eight and seven. Yeah. So what I think is cool is like, this is the same to- like time signature trick that Mike Oldfield uses in that song, Tubular Bells, which yeah. is like, you know, pretty famous for being in The Exorcist. Yeah. And there's no way that the dudes in Metallica didn't love that song and oh, that movie. Had to, yeah. yeah so i wonder if it has anything to do if those yeah, are connected I don't know. anyway i mean it's a very musical move yeah it's so like what we're talking about it's like you know when <laughs> you're counting you like, yeah. <laughs> like when you're counting to one like you know one two three four yeah. right so like this this phrase is an is an eight so it's one two three four five six seven eight yeah the phrase starts over but instead of going to eight it only goes to seven one two three four five six seven start over so they literally drop a beat and which usually is like a very like jarring, like circular moving yeah. thing that people usually notice that like there's something going on with the music, but I, I never really noticed until you mentioned that. I'm like, oh wow, it really is eight and seven. Yeah. That's a very musical move. Yeah, it's cool. It from makes, like metal guys. Yeah I, yeah, I agree. Like it's like there are some musical techniques that are really sophisticated and subtle on this track, which I really appreciated. And sort of likewise, there are some musical techniques that are incredibly histrionic and not subtle that right. I appreciated, like the pinch harmonics. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. Not subtle. Yeah. Which that's cool. I feel like that's like, like where metal music is fun is that it is hard to do. Yes. You know, not anybody can play it. Uh, it takes a lot of skill, but at the same time, it's like about showing off that skill in all ways, like the obvious ways mm-hmm. and kind of the more like sneaky, cool ways. Right. Um, the yeah, la- I remember like when pinch harmonics got popular in middle school and like you became the guy that could do the pinch. Oh, harmonics. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so annoying because it was just pinch harmonics everywhere. What was what was the like go to pinch harmonic song for like your friend group? What, wasn't it that... Um, Coheed and Cambria song. Oh yeah, um, welcome. Da, 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 yeah, da, welcome da, da, home. That was, yeah, <laughs> that's a pinch harmonic song. Like. I think my like my little scene. Everybody was really into Unholy Confessions by Avenged Sevenfold. Oh yeah, Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> had a lot of, um... And then also Stillborn by Black Label Society. Yeah, of course, a lot of pinch harmonics. <laughs> well, nowadays it's like so many because like rap music is so popular. Yeah. I think everyone's trying to compete with the deep boomy ass 808s. Yeah. So it was kind of refreshing to listen to this Metallica song because they didn't fuck around with that at all. It's just about these four dudes like rocking their balls off. Yeah. And like, I kind of really liked it. Yeah. It made me kind of wish we, and this is crazy talk coming from a bass player, but like it made me kind of wish we would take some of the low end information out of records again. Yeah, well, the the roles have kind of switched. Where like, 
rock records and pop records had like the big basses and, and the shiny top end and hip hop in like the early nineties, late eighties was really lo-fi sounding where now hip hop is very pristine sounding. The basses go real low and the hi-hats are super bright, yeah. but rock has now become more lo-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, oh, like I guess it literally, has. Yeah. It's literally like, like the sonic culture of the genre has have literally flipped. flipped. That's pretty neat. I never even really thought yeah. about that. Damn dude. That's cool. Yeah. Got anything to say about Metallica? You're like we're both metal fans, but not really of Metallica. I don't think. Yeah, which like is I'm funny. not a Metallica fan. Yeah, like I like a couple other songs. I think this is a cool song. Like it reminds me of playing guitar. Like, yeah, I remember learning this song. Like not being able to play it that great, obviously. But I remember like <laughs> learning the song and going through a phase. Like you discover like oh, Inner Sandman, Master. Yeah, like, what's the other one? Seek and Destroy or yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like. You, you, it reminds me of a certain point in my life, but like, I'm not listening to Metallica like in my daily life. It was like, I might start. Um, you know, I was always a maiden and priest, those were my guys. Yeah, yeah, right. For, for, <laughs> for metal, <laughs> but I fuck with Metallica, man. Yeah, the like, song's cool. They're it, crazy. It, it makes me want to drink a hundred beers and go beat up a cop. Like, definitely, <laughs> like, drink five natties in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>